our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers. From family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. It's time to consider the possibilities. Good evening and welcome to Things Worth Considering. We're a weekly talk show. It's all about connections, the ones we make, the ones we miss, and most importantly, our own connection to ourselves. Uh, we hope that we will entice you, we'll empower you, and give you some things worth considering. I'm your host, Gord Riddell, and I'm pleased to welcome back a regular frequent guest here, Jennifer Drummond. Hi, Jennifer. Glad you're back here. Thank you. Um, We are live. If you want to join in on the conversation at any point, uh, toll free number from anywhere in North America, it is 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Now, if you haven't met Jennifer before, she's a dynamic humorist and a very astute teacher and facilitator with a specialty in diversity, inclusion, and equity training. Uh, Jennifer is the founder and president of Racial Lens, uh, which is a client-centered equity and inclusion consulting service with a twist. Racial Lens creates interactive safe spaces that focus on creating an emotional connection when learning and having difficult conversations about race. She's a graduate of York University in International Studies and a graduate of the Spiritual Psychotherapy Program at Transformational Arts College. Jennifer has an extensive background in the creation and implementation of children's programming. Uh, She's also described as being creative, innovative, articulate, and a fast thinker. That's just some people that talked about you. Jennifer's (laughs) work seems not seeks not to shame people or create guilt or to chastise anyone for unconscious beliefs that so many of us hold about the races. Instead, she seeks to elevate through active discussions the inclusion of everyone and uh, to becoming anti-racial advocates. And on a fun note, she is also one mean belly dancing instructor. Now, that's balance. (laughs) I've seen you. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome back. Thank you very much. Glad so, to be back. Why don't we start off? This is a big month. This is Black History Month. It is Black History Month. And uh, what a great way to start February is with Black History Month on Voices of America. Uh, I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, this month is also a really neat month. And I, I'd love, personally, I'd love to see the month shift to become part at least this particular month this year is to become part of a habit of for people to engage Mm. and making black accomplishments and joy and excellence and history to become part of the everyday uh yeah yeah. absolutely not just not just at this month and not just with um you know dr martin luther king who is fabulous (laughs) Well, yes, yes. But one man. <laughs> I know a lot of people. There's a lot of other people, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what, what's a, what's a whole premise then? I mean, you may have just said it, but, you know, what, what does one looking at Black History Month want to take away from that? You know, it'd be really, the whole idea is that 
the idea of, of bringing Black history into the everyday, mainly because it's been excluded um, and definitely has been, and, and not only excluded, but uh, ignored and sometimes, uh, what can I say? Um, <laughs> what can I say? Put in the back seat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, further back than the back burner. Very much at the back burner, as if it doesn't exist. Right. Um, as if there, and and the whole idea that um, it it gets brought forward every year, which is great. It's still something very young, um, you know, Black History Month, and it, there's still get, people get a lot of pushback because it's Black History Month. Right. It doesn't just have to be about um, something, something comfortable. So it's to also just recognizing that black black history is everybody's history. Yeah. If you have yeah. black people within your your country, city, community, whatever, then that history should be brought into the fold. And that's essentially what um, I feel that that Black History Month is all about is about elevating some voices that have been muted mm -hmm. in the yep. past and then slowly start bringing it into that whole idea where it can just be our history. <laughs> well, yeah, and, so it, it's, it I mean, it's excluded. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about diversity, you know, uh, people, people inside of, of various societies, it's 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 not diverse. It's a diversion, you know. It's like there's the, the you know the predominant say white in the culture, then black, then there's Asian, then there's the, you know, and on and on. And each each is almost like its own stream, you know. Yeah. It's not seen as being a continuum of just or being a great big pot, you know, the melting. The, the mosaic, you know, kind of idea. Mosaic, I think, is better than the melting pot because the melting pot becomes all one thing, which is what right. is problematic. And mosaic, at least we're recognizing the different colors and different aspects and how they can actually work together in concert to make something more beautiful. And right? each, each one is contributing, you know, and but it's so overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's incredibly overlooked. You know, it, you know, I'm just wondering when you're when you say that, I mean, do, do we do we in order to to do this, do we not have to own our early um, uh, history ourselves, Absolutely. you know, say the white as white people, our own history of being involved with slavery and, you know, all that kind of, you know, um, as as you know, one black friend said, <laughs> Why we didn't call for the boat, you know? Um, exactly. <laughs> you know? And, and if we had, we would have asked for a deck chair. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, right? with yeah. a little bit of shade, you know. Um, well, I just kind of threw a lot of shade, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know. So I think I think that in, in Canada we that is still a big secret. Absolutely. It is it not talked about. At all. It's not talked about. People will, I've had people actually tell me like to my face, knowing what I do for a living and go, 
there wasn't slavery in Canada. And I'm like, oh, my God, really? What? Yeah, and, because <laughs> because the thing that's become our myth is the Underground Railroad. Right. We saved people, blah, blah, blah. But meanwhile, Quebec and, and uh, Upper Canada, which Ontario now, uh, had huge, huge amounts of slavery going on. Huge amounts of slavery going on. Not only that, but there was also, um, they were allowing slave runners who were looking for escaped slaves who yes. were crossing over, they were allowed to come up and take slaves back. And they could like take- bounty hunters. Bounty hunters, which is essentially where the police, our police state started from, is with these bounty hunters that would come up. So when, when people talk about defund the police, the history is not just from the last 100 years. It, it goes, right. it harkens back to bounty hunters or slave runners who used to come and try and find people and take them back because they were considered, because they were considered property. They were enslaved. That's people right. That's right. Property. So yeah, it's definitely owning certain things about like in particular within Canada, because the whole idea of slavery in Canada is very much taboo. And I think that goes with the whole niceness of Canadians. Um, Except that, for indigenous people. No, we have yeah. the reconciliation piece coming up as to in terms of what we did with children. It seems that we can talk about that. And that was, that was about more of a cultural kill than it was, you know, a, a, a human beings, you know, growing up. So it was put kids, well, put kids in schools, you know, and we well, seem to be able to own that. Or little prisons, if we want to go. Well, oh, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, with their own little graveyards on the side. I mean, but there are still people in Canada now who will say that the bodies being found at residential schools is false, is fake news. (laughs) You know, it's very much fake news uh, that they don't really exist, that that problem isn't it, that... Indigenous people don't have to pay for certain things like their education, which they do. (laughs) Like the misinformation is so wide and and well known that when people are being presented with actual facts, we'll argue back and say, oh, well, no, 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 no. Or even doing things like saying, okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. And it's like, okay, you're playing devil's advocate with someone's culture and how they were hurt for generations and generations and generations. It's like maybe take a step back before you play devil at devil's advocate and poke yep. the bear, so to speak. Um, so a lot of it is really about um Canada and as well all of North America, but pretty much all over the world is to really understand the history behind how um, essentially white supremacy started and how it became the norm. Like even being conscious of things like our language, right? Yes. You know, calling people slave owners instead of master. Right. Master seems like such a nice thing. Right. But this is a person who owned people. Who owned people. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so and then instead of calling people slaves, calling them enslaved people or kidnapped people and, you know, or the mistress. Right. Yes. 
Yes. Big. Or a concubine, which softens all the words. It's like, okay, this is someone who is being essentially tra human trafficked. Well, that's happening more and more in our language. Which is really good. Well, I'm not sure it is because it, you know, in some ways that I'm hearing it, it has become so, it, it takes me emotionally so far away. And, and what I'm doing is, is uh, thinking specifically of, you know, uh, people who are hungry out on the street and, and we say that they're food insecure. What the hell yes. is that? I'm insecure on a date. <laughs> you know, but the, the idea of using things like food, food insecurity or housing insecurity, <clears throat> I, I'm just thinking that the language keeps getting more couched, that we're losing the reality that somebody out there doesn't have a house or a home or food. They're hungry. Yeah, they're I hungry. understand hungry. I understand starving. Right. Food insecure. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm a little insecure some dinners too. Yeah. And so that's that, you know, and that's also that ever changing idea of how language works. But the idea in regards to with Black history and talking about the slave trade and the era of slavery, mm -hmm. um, you know, let's, we want to be able to own those words because it also keeps responsibility of who the oppressors were and that oh. and those who were enslaved were they were not just slaves right they were people who were enslaved and right. uh so it's making sure to realize that they're more than just their position that they were put into but also that making it very much understandable that someone who was considered a master was someone who owned and traded with slaves, with human beings. So there's, you know, yeah, sometimes it can maybe go overboard a little bit much, but I think it's doing that course correction, like what happens whenever someone's trying to change, trying to change a system. We pendulum to the far other side yep. until it starts to slowly <clears throat> come down to the middle where it starts to become um, more comfortable, but also more realistic of what it is, right? So uh, I think that's that's one of the things that we're try that people are trying to understand. It's just let's not take away the ownership or the responsibility, right? That was taking place in those actual days, you know? Absolutely. And that's what worries me about the language evolving in such a way as it keeps separating away from the responsibility. I mean, maybe in, in home, home and security and stuff like that, but when we're talking about enslaved people and slave owners, that instead of master. Oh no, that's what, we, that, yeah. I agree with you. That's why it yeah. should, yeah. should, but it's still couched. Not that language you're speaking of. Other other ways other people present. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you think about now I'm gonna date myself, but you <laughs> 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 think about in the early 90s and stuff when 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 we were talking about politically correct. Yes. Right? What sort of and people were getting themselves twisted in regards to politically correct. And the big thing that came out of that was, okay, you're Black American or Black Canadian, right? Right. And it's like, okay, 
Sure. And it, it wasn't even that. It was African-Canadian or African-American, right? And it's like, my family hadn't seen Africa in, um, I don't know, <laughs> 500 years. And why? And then it goes back to that whole idea is like, why does my nationality need to be hyphenated? Yes. Yes. Right. Because when you say Canadian or American, people automatically are going to assume the person is white. Interesting. That's true. Right. Yeah. Like I remember when I was, I did, when I went uh, on an international exchange program and people would come and there's like, okay, so this is Jennifer. And they're like, the exchange participants going, but she's black. How can she be Canadian? Right. Completely thrown. And then having to explain to them that not only am I Canadian, but I'm actually historically <laughs> more Canadian than a number of people who are also on the program. Because <laughs> 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 my family has been in Canada for over 300, like for 250, 300 years. Wow. So... <laughs> Yeah, he's like, don't tell me about being Canadian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I got it. Thanks. I exactly. still don't like winter, but I yeah. got it. <laughs> but we know how to do it. Just yeah. like we know how to take a break and exactly. go to commercials. So we will be back in a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Yonge Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericaempowerment.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, I'm here with Jennifer Drummond. Uh, We're talking about Black History Month. This actually goes back a long way. It's the the idea, the concept, like 1926. Yeah, yeah. The idea goes back, you know, almost uh, almost 100 years. Almost 100 years, yeah. Um, But of course... Canadian and American black history goes back further than that, you know. It does? Uh, it does. <laughs> it does. Like in Canada, one of the interpreters for the explorers was actually a black man who spoke English, French, and Dutch. <laughs> and really? Wow. Yeah. So like wow. that's 1620, I think, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you don't don't hear about stuff like that. You hear about the explorer themselves, not the person who showed them around or made it easier for them to translate and understand, uh, even within the indigenous aspect of it. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that was another whole set of languages as well. Yeah. Um, so it was. It wound up being in February. Um, it was just a week back then, and it was the week of uh, February 12 and 14, because one, it was the birthday of um, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Um, on February 12, and Frederick Douglass on February the 14th. Both, both dates, um, you know, bringing the Black communities celebrated together since like the late 19th century. Um, so it was, yeah. it was really built, you know, when it all comes push and shove, like really what was it about? It was about recognition and importance. Yeah, and contribution, right? Recognizing that there's that contribution so that people aren't feeling like they're having to be put into that one little hole and (laughs) or area. You get Um, one week. One week, (laughs) yeah. Well, one week was all that they could fight for at that time, like that, you know, it all, it started out slow. And back then that was definitely, you know, that was in the years of Jim Crow in the United States when it in started. In the 50s. Uh, no, 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 yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. No, so. um, Gone with the Wind actually did a lot of damage. Oh, well, yeah, and uh, Birth of a Nation. Um, Believe it or not, I saw that. I saw yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. divination would be, and, and people, you know, as they do today, they watch something on TV and they think that it's, that's the reality, um, especially when it's being peddled as the reality. So, yeah, because yeah. both the novel and the film of Gone with the Wind, you know, was yeah. basically creating, beginning to create this myth that the South was a lost cause. Uh, the myth also, you know, goes on as uh, slaves were very well treated. And uh, that the yeah. Civil War was an, a war of Northern aggression and that Blacks were better off under slavery. Yeah, yeah, because they, 
<laughs> because that was the whole idea that they consciously, they didn't have the mental capacity to be able to take care of themselves because they were less than. So therefore it's best that they're being taken care of by right. their masters than having them go out on their own and actually be able to create their own environments, create their own communities that could be supportive and, and be able to run on their own, which they found out quite quickly right after, uh, after emancipation, that there were all of these cities around the United States and within Canada that were thriving black communities. Yeah. Like thriving. <laughs> really doing an incredible job like I mean even talk about like Central Park Central Park was a very well to do and very successful black community right in the park because they've well, dug it, up the... before the park my dear it was well before the park down. yeah it was torn down to build the park right because that's they're, the they're park now uncovered it Yes. <laughs> they started to uncover it, you know, the, the foundations and, and whatever else was buried there archaeologically. Yeah. So it got caught over. And it's like things like in, in Nova Scotia, you know, like Africville got yes. plowed over and taken a community, even though there was land on either side that could have been used. They went right through Africville, which was one of the older um community black communities in Nova Scotia that was very very well um established so everyone it had was, to yeah. be placed and yeah. there's that aspect of doing all of that and that's why it's it's also it's a very touchy it's very it that's why having recognition at least times to have official times of recognition of what has happened and what can happen um, to remind everybody that Blacks contribute to the betterment of the world in a number of different ways. Right. Um, and, and I certainly didn't take about Africville in, uh, in high school. No. Or in, in, in anywhere to, uh, taking history. No. It Lots was about the Scottish. Yes. <laughs> in, in Nova Scotia, New Scotland. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah. yeah, but not in terms of, I think the closest was about the the um, uh, Underground Railroad into right. uh, Nova Scotia, yeah. Well, yeah, and most of the Underground Railroad actually came up into Ontario. That's right, and St. Catharines. The idea is that almost all of those communities thrive very well, but have now, since there are actually in places like Chatham and Amherstburg, there's very little Black community there they have since been dismantled and faced so much difficulty that they moved on to the bigger cities where there could be more of a community and sense of um camaraderie and safeness right during those times and that's why it's great that it slowly become you know it eventually went from a week to black history month right Right. Right. Um, and that was what, the 1970? Yeah. 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 January 2nd to February, the first celebration, yeah, was at Kent State, the infamous yeah. Kent State University. Yeah. Yeah. 
and yeah, then which we remember from the sixties. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that was, that was during a, you know, like, and that's something and, and still to this day, we'll hear, well, why aren't we having a white history month? Oh, right. And it's, but I've yeah. heard people say that about LGBTQ, you know, with the gay, gay pride, there's just, it's very similar. It used to be a week. It's yeah. now a month. And people say, well, why don't we have a straight parade, you know, gay pride parade, a straight pride parade. Well, well that was Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> it was very publicized yes it was because it's like every tuesday <laughs> sorry i don't mean to be flippant <laughs> every monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday yes yes you know it's like crazy but but there's the same sort of i'm seeing just this parallel of the week to the month to the what about what about white what about straight you know yeah and 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 it's that idea of getting people to understand that it, the reason why it's being separated or highlighted is because it's ignored the all the rest of the time, right? Absolutely. Completely ignored. And, um, and so that's why it gets highlighted for at least one month. And that's why I always think it's like, oh, I really want it to become part of a habit that people start acknowledging uh, the accomplishments uh, of Black Canadians and Black Americans and Black people in general, right. um, mainly so that they can understand and get and get what and get it becomes more familiar and uh, uh, and it opens up the minds of everyone who's around, not just and not just for the predominant culture which is the white culture but also for young black kids so that they can see the accomplishments of people who look like them right, right. representation matters really does it really matters so when you look at movies like gone with the wind or birth of a nation right it's like oh is those my ancestors right <laughs> like and and is this all that I'm supposed to be, or is this all that is open up to me? Because that's all that is being presented within regular mainstream media. Yep. Not understanding that someone like Frederick Douglass, who was a brilliant mind, a brilliant mind, um, but most people don't know about him. And there's at least, I think, about you know, several states in the, several of the Southern United States that are never going to hear about Frederick Douglass or even James Baldwin, um, or maybe not even Maya Angelou. And That's true. And those are some of the really sad aspects of it, because when people start understanding what, what those, and those three people in particular, what, how much just compassion that they've had about the living condition and being able to share it without necessarily anger. Um, yeah, I really, you know, Maya Angelou is probably one of my most favorite women is yeah. I just her compassion is just unbelievable. Yeah. Compassion for also for herself. Yes, you know, absolutely. Because yeah. she did not have an easy life. She had a very, very difficult life. Yes. A very difficult life. And she um, and still she rises. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I right. hope so. I mean, when she passed away there. Uh, I mean, hopefully, just, I want her as a guardian angel or an elder or something that comes, yeah, comes by we, and smacks me in the back of the head occasionally. <laughs> I think I don't know if she would do that. <laughs> I think she has it in her. You know, yeah, like, I'm sure your socks she does. Up. To be honest, pull your socks up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, you know, when you say like, you know, certain parts of the, of the U.S. or, you know, is is that in, in all groups, there are subgroups. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, Black isn't just Black. You know, there's Caribbean, there's South, the Mississippi, Louisiana, New Orleans, New yeah. York, Chicago. I mean, you know, Toronto, uh all of those things and and each each one has you know a certain filter that goes over their eyes in terms of how they view themselves and how they view the black community whatever that might mean yeah what the black community means is where you're living really pretty much yeah i mean i am very when i do talk to people from uh the south which i haven't uh, in a long time, but, uh, but, you know, like it's, two years, <laughs> we're not allowed over the border at the moment. Yeah. Really. But like, you know, when I would go, you know, I had, I had family in new Orleans. Okay. Right? So cool. being black and, and in new Orleans was very different for me than it was for my cousin who is white. Right. We had very different experiences in regards to how people interacted with us and also mm. understanding what what was expected uh of of uh of each of us down in, in new orleans it was a very different very different uh eye-opener for me to be in the southern united states as a black woman oh yeah it's very yeah. very different and very i just to see that observationally you know yeah it was very observationally. And in New Orleans, it wasn't, you know, in the city, it wasn't so bad, but in different parts of it, it was very, it was very interesting. And I found that a lot of the black community down there actually, and I was with, so my aunt and uncle are, uh, were mixed couple. They actually mm. got together up here before it was legal in New Orleans. So whenever mm -hmm. people would say, oh, how long you two been together? <laughs> They'll say, oh, since 67. And going, that wasn't legal, right? Because it wasn't legal in Louisiana to have a mixed race couple until the until 1969-70 with a loving couple, but they were married before that. Right. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because well, I think it was 67 yeah. federally in the U.S., but each state would then have their each own state dates. Is different. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. In the southern United States, like they, you know, they're living as a, a mixed race couple and people are like, oh, OK, you're, you know, so it was very different when I would walk around with my uncle who was black and then I would walk around with my aunt who was white and blonde. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> And uh, and it was always very interesting, and that it was the same here in Canada as well. You know? Oh yeah, just not as in your face, because well, Canadians, no, because we're Canadians. Yes. No. Which is sometimes it's harder because you're guessing. Well, it's a pretty educated guess what we're. <laughs> <laughs> it's it just is. harder to call out because it's not so in your face. Yeah. 
And then, and everybody goes, oh no, 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 no. That was not my intent. And it's like, yeah, but your intent doesn't take away from what just happened. Exactly. And the reality of it. Yeah, it's yeah. like, so when I call, when I start asking you about this, it's not that I'm trying to be mean. And maybe I am, depending on how people have interacted <laughs> with me, right? Because yep. what, mean, what means that I have, you know, but for the most part, when I just, I'm like, are you aware that you just did this or not? Um, so just getting people to be more aware of that. And, uh, and it's very subtle and it's very unconscious. Very unconscious. You know, it's very unconscious. very unconscious yeah. about what damage they do, they can do um, to other cultures in, right. in the whole idea of thinking with the intent of, for the most part, of trying to include, but actually heightening the exclusion. The, or or <laughs> hide, heightening the stereotype. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much. And stereotypes are a huge deal. <clears throat> oh, they are. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I, I became very aware of that when identifying a friend, blah, 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 blah. And then I identified something else about him. And it was brought to my attention that, in fact, that now became, you know, racial, racist, you know, yeah. anti-Semitic. So it was like, oh, my God, you know, this is somebody that I've known for 45 years, you know, <clears throat> good friend. Uh, but it, it stereotyped. Yeah, that was my learning there. Yeah, and it and you. That's what I have to learn something else, and that is stay on time. We have to take a break. We'll be right yeah. back. There we go. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. <laughs> America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley 
as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. I'm here with Jennifer Drummond, and we're talking about some of the interesting things that um, we can get into uh, talking about uh, Black History Month. Um, I found some some sayings here that uh, when I was preparing for the show, um, uh, Michelle Obama, of course, we all know who she is, first black um, uh, first lady of the United States. Mm-hmm. She said, history has shown us that courage can be contagious and hope can take on a life of its own. Absolutely. I thought that was so powerful. Yeah, it's it's and it's to really remember that, you know, when you witness someone being courageous and you get to read about someone being courageous and pushing the envelope a little bit, and in particular for the good and the betterment, then it gives other people the chutzpah to be able to go forward and and be able to do that as well and and be courageous. Yeah, you know, Rosa Parks said, she didn't set out to be courageous. No. She said, I was just tired of giving up and going elsewhere. Yes. She said, I wasn't doing it that day. And, yeah. you know, but of course we look back and go, oh, she was so courageous. She said, I was tired. I wasn't yeah. doing this anymore. <laughs> and I thought, absolutely. I get it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, it's, and it's being conscious of that because it, it, it's exhausting. Right. Well, sure. <laughs> being being seen in a different way, being viewed in a different way, and having to be cognizant of that the whole time. Yeah. Um, and you know, just to like we were talking about stereotypes and how you know being exhausted about having to try and demystify a stereotype, right? right. Right. And I used to be really, when I was much younger, I used to be quite conscious about demystifying a stereotype of the angry black woman. Um, oh, really? Or really? being cheap. Yeah. So all my anger was inside. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would blow up every now and then. Um, yeah. Because, of course, you just can't take much. You can't take it all. And, and with a smiling face and with a giggle. Right. Of course, absolutely. So eventually, it, the giggle wears off. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you really have to be conscious about being real and being being able to live in your full light and live in your 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 courage. Um, yep. Because unfortunately, as a what black woman, I have to live in my courage. Right. <laughs> so I mean, Martin Luther King, though he says. 
300 years of humiliation, abuse, and deprivation cannot be expected to find voice in a whisper. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, that's very powerful. Very powerful. Very powerful. And that the, we're still surviving and thriving as, you know, as, as a culture. Absolutely. Right? Not only thriving, but I mean, when you look at the things that culturally that get exported from the United States or Canada, a lot of the times it's rooted, it originates in black culture, right? Let's talk about popular music. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, you know, the whole, the whole, whether it's the Negro spiritual, you know, that came out of slavery or jazz, that's totally unique to the United States, even musical theater. Yeah, it's purely an American phenomenon. You know, it's not found in any other country. Um, And yeah, um, sometimes, you know, the the oppression is such a liberation in terms of the creativity to deal with the oppression. Does that make sense? What I'm just saying that that somewhere that push down that Americans got to come out somewhere. Yeah, the yeah. narrative has to come out in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And, and and so, you know, enslaved people found ways to express Absolutely. how they could. Yeah. And so, you know, because they came over, they were they're enforced over, and their religions uh, were completely stripped from them. Yes. Right. And Christianity was forced on them. But they made Christianity in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. Make it work. And, and so those are great churches. <laughs> yeah. And so and now and now those have been adopted by regular white society. Like when you talk about the mega churches, right? The mega churches, if you see the structure of how they work and how they entertain mm. and how they sing, right? Yeah. It's very much like a black Christian church. Yeah. Right. Where music became part of it because become central. Well, and you wouldn't have because you couldn't have music at any other time except when you were worshiping. So if we're gonna <laughs> have music, we're gonna have music that we're gonna be able to feel and emote and put all of those feelings that are not allowed to happen at any other time. Fascinating. We're going to transmute it into worship. And so when you hear gospel music, right? Whenever someone hears gospel music, we know that it's religious, but we also know that it's black. Right. Right. (laughs) No matter who's singing it. Sissy Houston. You know? Right? Yeah. Yeah, So, and, and, and that's what's being translated and, and, and exported as well in, you know, cause, cause, the gospel music came the blues and jazz yep. right and then from that transmuted it into rock and roll and then it got di- changed so it can be digested then we had rap right right, right. People, and rap was protest music it was it was like the counterbalance to folk <laughs> 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 oh. 
I can't even put those two together in the same room. But there's still uh, kind of protest yeah, yeah, music, yeah. you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. it was just, it was very powerful. If you listen to really early rap music, it was very, it was very powerful. Well, yeah, it was like the dark, it was like our uh, electronic, but not electronic, but like the, you know, the, the, the uh, what am I looking for? That, that heavy metal, the heavy metal, you know, was really yeah. pretty nasty stuff. Yeah. But in know, my only in my estimation. <laughs> in your humble estimation. In my humble estimation, I hated it. But then I hated the Beatles. It's uh, <laughs> funny, I'm not the Rolling Stones. Again either. I, <laughs> if I had to choose between those rock and roll people, I'd probably go with, you know, Led Zeppelin and Queen. <laughs> and Queen. Well, Queen's a little bit different. That's a that's a, that's a little bit different. Yeah. Really? No. I like the Rolling Stones. Sorry. I like, I like the Rolling Stones and the but Beach Led Boys. Zeppelin. If I had to choose one, it would be Led Zeppelin. Really? Interesting. But now we digress completely. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> back. Let's go back to Aretha Franklin. She said, yeah. we all require and want respect. Man or woman, black or white, it's our basic human right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, powerful. talk about her taking that Otis Redding song and turning it on its heel and owning it. Right? Yeah. Like that was very much, and in particular for a woman of color, um, yeah, demand respect. Because you know, the number of women of color that had to leave the U.S. and they went to France, you yeah. know, and um, you know, I'm thinking of Jackie Baker and uh, and uh, you know, Josephine Baker. <laughs> sorry, Josephine Baker. No, there's another one I'm thinking of too. Then, but there's uh, but quite anyway, a few. Like Aretha Kit left. Because she spoke out. (laughs) That's right. You know, it's just, yeah, they were just like, you know, the doors closed, you know, that's it. And and they went on to have these amazing careers and then came back as stars, you know, into the U.S. But still treated like third class citizens. Well, Tina Turner. Tina Turner left. Tina, Yeah, Tina Turner lives in the south of France. That's right. Yeah, I actually know where she lives. Nice (laughs) place, too. It's a nice house. Um, yes it is <laughs> i went to school up the street from her when i lived in france <laughs> really really but she she did she she left she was just so fed up with what was going on yeah you know, absolutely you know. and it's and diana ross she also yeah. lives overseas yeah you know? um powerful black women yeah uh, we're talking about those like it's again those stereotypes again and like i share a personal stereotype of when i was working in russia and Russia, yes. Wow. Oh, you didn't. Oh, yeah. I, I worked in Russia for a couple of <laughs> a bit of time. You know where Putin lives? Pardon? You know where Putin lives? <laughs> no, but I mean, I. We need I, an address. <laughs> I, when I was there, it's actually when Putin finally when got got back into power and and uh, things were going crazy. So that was the last time I was there. Still going crazy. It well, yeah, but. <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, yes. Well, anyway, I digress. But I remember being completely, um, even though I had been in on the news and in the paper of being the leader of this organization in the region I was living in, there were still every now and I would say at least once every couple of weeks, someone within a small community would try and hire me for an hour. Um, and they wouldn't talk to me. They would talk to whatever man I was beside. 
Um, and that happened over and over again. And I remember when it, you know, it even happened with my host brother who worked for the city and he couldn't believe what was going on. And he goes, has this happened before? And I'm going, yeah, (laughs) it's happened multiple times where they don't look at me, they just try and buy me. And that's part of the export of the image of black women. Right. That as that gets sent out. So when we have things like Black History Month, we could bring it back that, okay, you know, we're not just. We're not just. Yeah. We're not just. Yeah. These sex objects. We I want to jump back to Shirley Chisholm. Like that. Like what a woman. And Amazing then- woman. Amazing yeah, woman. She and- is the first woman and first black woman. Yeah. To be elected into the US uh, Congress. And within four years, she actually then became the first woman and black woman to run for president. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, she also had an amazing sense of humor. She, one yeah. of her lines is, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. Exactly. Love it. Yeah. Love and it. she reminds me of our very own Jean August, uh, Jean Augustine. Yes. Who was the first black woman in Canada to That's be able right. to. And she's the one who made... Uh, Black History Month become a full month in Canada in the early 90s. Um, and it, oh, helped wow, okay. that, it helped that Jean Chrétien, she was, she worked very well with Jean Chrétien. So it was always, uh, where's Mrs. Augustine? Where's Mrs. Augustine? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and she is still incredibly active within the community these days. Wow. You know, so what do you, what do you want to see happen from Black History Month this year? In 30 seconds. I want, I want it to be about <laughs> celebrating Black excellence and Black joy and understanding that Black people, we have families. We love our families. Yep. Families, just like everybody else, our families are important to us. And that Black parents love their <laughs> children just as much as anybody else's parents. And that we want the best for that. And I want... I want it to be celebrated so that when a young black kid can look and say, yeah, I want to do that. Cause I can see someone who looks like me yeah. already doing that. There's something that I like. I like science, but I've never seen a black scientist. Right. 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 So, and that's actually one of the big problems in LGBT community. Yeah. Is the children from those, from those, don't go home to someone who looks like that. Yeah. You know, black kids go home to black parents usually or Chinese or or whatever. But if you're gay, that's such a big, it's such a huge secret you have to carry home and you don't have a model to look at. Exactly. Or somebody that resembles you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what- Jennifer, as always, thank you. Thank Thank you you for coming. Thank (laughs) you for sharing some great stories. Russia, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. This is Gordon L. I'm thanking Jennifer uh, Drummond for being here. Uh, if you want to be in touch, please do so at info at spiritgrows.ca. Let me know if there's more uh, subject areas or other things you'd like to hear or, or um, uh, explore on this show. Uh, in the meantime, have a great week. Be well, be healthy, and stay curious. Thank you.
thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiousis and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are. 